you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. But preaching from this subject, an irrevocable blessing. An irrevocable blessing. Let's ask the hand of the Lord on this word tonight that I'm going to speak. Father, we come now and ask for strength in my body. Lord, I ask, God, that you quicken our thoughts and our hearts and our minds to receive. God, after your spirit has already done a great work and filled two with the Holy Ghost tonight, God, there's no way I'm attempting to upstage what you've done. But I come tonight humbly to bring the word of God that you have put in my heart. And I pray that it doesn't fall upon deaf ears, but that somebody tonight leaves this house encouraged by the word of the Lord. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to two or three people by you and tell them, let's receive an irrevocable blessing. You can be seated. I'm going to take a few minutes to lay some groundwork and talk to you about an interesting character in the Bible who actually was foolish enough to try to curse God's people. The scripture itself even declares to touch not the anointed and to do my prophets no harm. Yet a soothsayer attempted to to unsuccessfully curse God's people multiple times, which he clearly states that he tried but was unsuccessful. Can I just repeat the idea of this text to you tonight and tell you that the enemy cannot curse what God has already pronounced blessing upon? Let me be very clear at the onset of this message tonight that witchcraft and divination and curses simply have no impact nor influence on people who are walking with the Lord. We were in Bolivia on a missions trip with a whole group. Brother Tapia was with us. My wife and I were there. There was about 20 or 30 young people that were with us, and we went to a place. Why they decided to take us there? It was the market, but inside the market was what they call the witch's market. And in the witch's market is where you go to buy things that they use, such as the burnt offerings and sacrifices that are mentioned here so that they can put a hex on people. And when here we come through obvious tourists, and obviously, a religious connection is all of our ladies and men come through dressed quite differently. And the witches did not like what happened because when we come walking through, there was quite a stir. And they started grabbing incense, and you should have seen it. They started shaking all sorts of incense and blowing smoke at us and hissing at us and trying to tell us to go away. And we went walking through, and some of the kids became afraid, and I said to them, you have nothing to worry about, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's no, there's no, there's nothing that they can do that is going to affect you. In our text, Balak of the Moabites heard that Israel was approaching his territory. 
Now Balak was afraid and he feared that his kingdom would be defeated by Israel's army. Verse 5 states that Balak sent messengers to Balaam. Now understand the connection here. Balaam's lineage is kind of difficult to completely determine because the Bible doesn't tell us where his family came from. The greatest bulk of what you can learn about Balaam comes from ancient Jewish commentaries. And these ancient sources affirm that Balaam was well known at his time and that he played an influential role as a devonier or a soothsayer. One Alexandrian commentator described Balaam as a master devonier and foreteller of great renown. The confusion here is that the same word for them were also used for the people of God. They were known as prophets, but yet they were false prophets. You read about them all through the scriptures, such as the prophets of Baal. They used devilish evil powers and sources and sorcery to try to cause things to happen. And it worked enough that people understood and thought that they had power. But yet they always remained powerless against God's people. When put to the test, the prophets of Baal jumped upon the altar, cut themselves with lancets, but nothing happened. But one prophet of God prayed a simple 53-word prayer and fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. The ancient world was full of devoneers, but it seems none were more notable according to history than Balaam during his time. Balak's own kingdom of Moab almost certainly had a plethora of devoneers who, because none was capable of cursing Israel, they would try to put a curse upon Israel, but it would not work. Don't you find that strange? He sent his people nearly 400 miles on a journey to find a man by the name of Balaam, a prophet, a false prophet, if you please, a devoneer, a sorcerer, one caught into witchcraft, to come and to curse the people of Israel on his behalf. The devoneers enjoyed a past record of success. And they could demand high prices for their divination. And Balak knew that hiring a sorcerer as notable as Balaam would be a very expensive thing for him to do. However, he was a Moabite king. Money was not an issue. Much like our government, he would just print a little more. However, the Moabite king was prepared to pay whatever sum was required to coax Balaam to come and to curse Jacob and to curse Israel. Therefore, he sent his servants to Balaam, offering to promote him with great honor. Balak, Balak was willing to pay Balaam a great fortune, perhaps even an entire house full of silver and gold to perform this service of cursing the nation and the people of God. We know that Balaam was revered as a great devoneer, a soothsayer, known far and wide for his abilities to pronounce blessing or to pronounce curse. Because Numbers, the 22nd chapter, Balak told Balaam, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. Balak was certain that Balaam would be able to curse Israel. But when it came down 
to the time of trying. Balaam could not get a curse to work on the people of God. He went and built seven altars, and he offered burnt sacrifices, and he went through all of his, all of his ritual and his routine. Balaam failed every time. Balak thought that it was because Balaam was seeing Israel from the wrong point of view. If we can just look at them from another angle, if we can just look at this aspect, or we can look at another aspect, eventually we're going to cause our connotation to, to, to work and for them to fail. Balaam was finally forced to tell Balak how. He said, how shall I curse whom God has not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord has not defied? Scripture tells us that every time Balaam opened his mouth to speak a curse, a blessing would come out of his mouth. What he intended for evil, God <laughs> would turn it around <laughs> and it would come out and it would work out for his good. I can't hardly contain myself tonight to tell you that the enemy has brought some things upon your life and he has intended it to destroy you and to curse you and to bring you down. But God sent me with a word for this church tonight to tell you that what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it around for your good. Come on, somebody shout unto the Lord right now. Balaam tried three times to speak a curse upon Israel, yet he didn't have the power to do it. Balaam was finally forced to tell Balak, this is not going to work. Finally, after failing repeatedly to place a curse on Israel, Balaam conceded that the divination was no match for the power of the Almighty God. The only thing better than a sorcerer failing is when the sorcerer has to look the people of God in the face and say, I've tried and I've tried. I've tried to tear your family apart, but I failed. I tried to cause you to lose sleep, but I failed. I tried to get a hold of your finances, but I failed. I tried to get into your emotions, but I failed. Numbers 23 and 23, he said, for, for there's no sorcery against Jacob. Neither, he said, is there any divination against Israel. It was simply impossible for a curse to be pronounced where God had already pronounced a blessing. It was true then, and it is the same today. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. 
Oh, it's not my personality. The enemy thinks he's going to curse you with thoughts that are against the word of God. If the Bible says you're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost came upon you, let me tell these two young ladies what happened to you tonight. God filled you with a power from on high. It is a power to live in this evil world, but walk above the evil that is in the world. It's a power to testify to your friends, testify to your neighbors. Well, I don't know what to say. He'll tell you what to say. He'll give you the words to say, ye shall receive power. I didn't say you're not going to have tests and trials. I didn't say you're not going to have sorcery trying to be used against you. But I'm telling you that greater is he that is in you. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost tonight, you have a power that is from on high. God has put an irrevocable blessing upon your life and the devil can't do anything about it. I've seen people backslide and try to use every excuse possible while they backslide. But the Word of God said, when you're in my hand, no man can take you out. You know, the only way you backslide is when you decide to get out of the hand of God because there is no weapon that is formed against you that is able to prosper. I'm in the Word of God tonight telling you that what God has spoke blessing over, the devil cannot revoke it. It is an irrevocable blessing, an irrevocable anointing. When Satan tried to steal Job's power with God, he did four things. He touched his finances. He touched his family. He touched his health. And then he tried to discourage him through those that were closest to him, his wife. But he never could touch Job. You know why? Because God built the hedge. You know what that hedge was? An irrevocable blessing. God put something around him and said, you can touch everything about him, but I'm, there's going to be something that's going to come true. My old pastor called me yesterday, talked to me on the phone while I was driving to Chicago with my wife, and he said, I'm going to tell you what the Lord gave me, and I want to speak to you. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm 83 years old. I'm a little saddened. He and his wife were planning to come. They were going to be with us here in just a couple of weeks. They're due to physical reasons. They're not going to be able to come and be with us. He said, but I got a word that I want to tell you. He said, the Bible talks about the saints are going to judge the world. And he said, I try to figure out sometimes why bad things happen to good people and why sometimes the people that are so righteous go through things. And he said, I've stood at the head of coffins, and I've said, God, I don't understand why that they are the ones. There's other people out there that don't serve you. There's people that have fought against the church. There's people that have, that have caused trouble for the ministry. There's people that have been rebellious. There's people that haven't walked right. I said, yes, sir, I've, I've walked down the same road. I, I've, been, I've been right there with you. He said, well, he said, let me explain it to you. He said, God allows some people to go through it because he's got to have an elect that can go through the fire and live for him and serve him through the fire because when we stand on judgment day, when they begin to open their mouth and say, but Lord, I was going through this and this is why I failed. He said, I'm going to reach back and take one of my saints that has already lived through it and served me through it. And they're just going to come stand in front of them and their life is going to be a witness that they were able to stand through the difficulty and through the hard time and their life is going to prove your faithfulness through the trial and through the fire is going to prove that, that God was with you all the time. He didn't say he, you wouldn't go through the trial. He just said, I'll be with you. We wanted to, to keep us out of the fiery furnace, but instead he shows up in the fiery furnace. touched everything about Job, but he couldn't touch Job. Apparently, Satan's not very original because this is the way he still tries to attack some of you. He tries to attack your finances. 
tries to attack your family, tries to attack your health, and he tries to discourage you by those that are closest to you. It's the same old attack. But Satan couldn't touch Job because there was an irrevocable blessing that God had already put upon him. I didn't come here tonight just to stand here. As a matter of fact, I didn't want to put any pressure on Brother Rich Price. Many of you know I had oral surgery about a week ago, and I'm still not over it and still suffering a little bit. And so if my speech is a little bit difficult, bear with me. I'm still dealing with a great deal of pain. I thought that perhaps he was going to be preaching tonight when he told me he was needing to get on the road because his kids had to, had to get back for school tomorrow. The Lord put this word in my spirit, and I knew that it was right. And I had others that volunteered and said, Pastor, I'll step in for you, and I'll take care of it for you so you can give your mouth a break for this week. But I knew that God had spoken this word to me. And I don't know particularly who that I'm bringing this word to tonight, but I am here tonight on the assignment of God because there's some folks that's in this building tonight, and you've been struggling and suffering and you've been going through it, and you're wondering and feeling like you're alone, and, and, and all that you are going through is not, you think it's brought on the people, but it's, it's not. It's brought on by the enemy. It's because the enemy's trying to persuade you that the anointing that God has placed upon you, that the blessing that God has put on you is going to be revoked, and that you're not going to be, be able to continue to live in that level of anointing. If you think the enemy only attacks you, I've had the enemy attack me three times in the last three months. I've had somebody come in my office and tell me that they are unable to grow in this church while I'm watching young people grow and develop and ministries grow and develop, yet the enemy wants to use somebody that's very sincere in their words, but it comes and gets in my head and wants to get in my spirit and tell me, oh, it's me, I'm the problem, I'm holding people back and keeping people. You know what that is? That doesn't Make them evil. It means that the adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, is going about seeking whom he may devour. Whom's going to listen to the words? But I come tonight to declare to you that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I'm not upset at anybody that spoke those words to me, but I know that there is an adversary that would like to get in our spirit and cause us to believe that what God has anointed in our life that the enemy will be able to take down. Can I go a little further? I even had a minister that visited, wasn't preaching, but visited and came to me during a worship service and walked up behind me in my ear and said, you better enjoy this because what you have here is not going to stay here. It won't be here very long. He said, so enjoy it now and ride the wave while you can because you won't be able to maintain this level in your church very long. No church can. That was about two years ago. He's still fledgling along in his little church and we're still having a move of the Holy Ghost and people receiving the Holy Ghost during worship services. The enemy would like for some of you to believe that God's going to withdraw your, his spirit off of you, you and his blessing off of you. But, but the enemy cannot remove what God has spoke blessing over. got to hurry. Some of you have been hit harder recently than ever before. Some of you are on leave from work because they can't get parts in. There's talks of what's happening in the economy. People are worried. Let me, let me just say something to this church. We don't have to live in fear. God's made a hedge. God spoke blessing over your life, and hell can't reverse it. Some of you are tithers, and there is a Some of you are tithers and givers, and the Word of God declares that when you are faithful to Him, He will be faithful to you. And the only place that God has ever said, try me, is regarding your finances. Lift your hands and give God praise for a moment.
The only place that the enemy is fighting some of you is through your finances. You've gotten laid off from work and you're worried about what the future is going to look like. I come tonight to tell you, if you're a tither, you just go ahead and take to the word of God and say, I got a promise that I'm standing on. God told me to try him in my tithing and offerings, and I'm trying him. And I promise you, he will come through for you every time. David said it like this, I once was young, but now I'm old. But I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Because when God blesses you, it is an irrevocable blessing. The enemy cannot touch it. Some of you have been hit harder than ever before. It's not your imagination. It's what's happening. But you don't have to live in fear. I'm going to tell you why the enemy is attacking you. Number one, I believe that you, if the enemy is attacking you, it's because you are a threat to him and his kingdom. It's because there is a blessing or anointing, blessing, anointing, one, one and the same. There is a blessing, anointing upon your life that others don't have. And because of the blessing and anointing upon your life, the enemy is fighting you harder than he's fighting others. Because even go back to the book of Acts, when King Agrippa was taking people out of the church it wasn't just anybody. The Bible said that King Agrippa was vexing certain of the church. That means that certain means there were certain ones, certain individuals, certain people that could really make a difference. It's because you are a threat. It's because you are walking in an anointing, and you and your life has the attention of the enemy. But God's anointing in your life, my Lord, I wish I could deliver this how I feel it right now. And the enemy's fighting me because he doesn't want me to deliver it because he's afraid that some of you are going to get a hold of this tonight and you're going to walk out of here with faith, believing God's anointing is a protection about you. It is the anointing that will break the yoke that is meant to destroy you. The enemy sees you get under the yoke and under the load, and he's saying, go ahead, it's going to destroy them. But God will never put more on you than what you are able to bear. Somebody I'm preaching to tonight, sickness has attached itself to you. Debt has attached itself to you. Family problems has attached itself to you. Fear has attached itself to you. And right now the devil is trying to take you out and trying to kill you. This isn't really about you. It is about your anointing. It's about what you represent. The devil is trying to stop your effectiveness, but God has blessed you and your adversary cannot touch what God is protecting. Turn to your neighbor and tell him the enemy can't touch what God's protecting. He would like to. He'd like to destroy your faith. He'd like to pre prevent your peace and your joy. He'd, try to call, he'd love to try to dampen your dreams and your aspirations. Cause you to believe that what you once dreamed for is no reason to dream anymore. And right now, in some of your lives, you're at a point where it may, seem, it, it may even be where you are believing that the enemy is winning. But I want you to stop where you are in the journey and just glance back over your shoulder and see how far God has already brought you. 
See, here's the deal about what happens. I told somebody the other day, we were out doing landscaping out here. We were planting trees and shrubs and putting mulch down. Boy, at the end of the day, you could look back and see what you've done, and it's just so incredible. Look great. Man, it was beautiful. And I said, well, I kind of enjoy this. Because in my line of work, you invest in people, and sometimes you don't see the results the next day. But you have to look back and see where people were a year ago or five years ago and see where they are today. And you look back and say, my goodness. And all the while, I thought I wasn't being effective. All the while, I thought they weren't hearing what I've been preaching. All the while, I thought we were just going through the motions. But you look back and see what God has done. Some of you right now need to look back at where you were a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, and look at where you are right now. And you ought to get some praise in your spirit, and you ought to start saying, thank God I may not be everything I ought to be, and I may not be where I want to be, but look where God has brought me from and to where I am right now, and I can see that he has had a hedge about me, and it is... The blessings of God working in my life. Give God praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, let's lift our hands and give God praise. It isn't because you're so good. It's because God has placed a blessing on your life. You've been lied on, falsely accused, rejected. Friends stab you in the back. You get sick, think you're going to die, feel rejected, lose your job. <laughs> We're still here. We're still standing. And the only reason you've made it is because God has put a blessing on your life the Apostle Paul found himself shipwrecked off the coast of Melita. And there Paul was bitten by a poisonous viper. Those who were familiar with that particular snake bite were expecting Paul to die from the snake bite. Paul, it looks bad for you. Paul, this viper is deadly. Nobody has ever survived its bite. Well... Paul says this record's going to be broken today. He just shook it off in a fire. Some of you that have been going through it, I know I, I'm getting ready to say something to you that is going to sound so elementary and sound so easy, but you know it's so hard. But before you walk out of this room tonight, maybe it's at this altar call that's going to come here in the next few minutes. But some of you need to make up your mind right now. I know what all the statistics say, and I know the way everybody thinks it ought to be, but I'm shaking that off. I've been lied on. I'm shaking it off. I've been abused. I'm shaking it off. I've been stabbed in the back. I'm shaking it off. I've had people come against me. I'm shaking it off. The enemy's been after me. I'm shaking it off because God has put an irrevocable blessing in my life and it is his promise to prosper my future. Come on, give him praise one more time. That thing that you thought was going to take you out, going to break you, going to end you, is only working for your good. Because the Bible said we know that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord. It didn't say we understand it, but we know all things work together for our good. But you made it because God has put a blessing over your life. I'm closing. You can stand if you'd like. The anointing in your life makes you a target for the enemy. But Satan himself cannot curse what God has already blessed. My blessing is irrevocable. 
If it seems the devil singled you out, he probably has. If it seems like there's an all-out attack against you, it probably is. Because the devil recognizes you, recognizes your potential, recognizes your anointing, recognizes what you're going to do. He sees your future. He believes. He believes in you so much that he wants to attack you and use you. Your anointing is irrevocable. That's why the devil has launched an all-out attack against you. Your family, your finances, your health, your emotional well-being. It's all because of your anointing. If the devil knew, if the enemy knew what you were going to be after the storm, was that, who was that? Was that Todd Trebek? Yeah. He said, if the devil knew, if the enemy knew what we were going to be after the storm, he wouldn't even have bothered me. If he knew the kind of faith we're going to walk in after that he's healed me. If he knew the kind of anointing we were going to walk in after we've walked through the fire. He thought he was going to take you out, destroy you, break you, but he was wrong. He's just forcing us to another level. He's, a for, he's forcing your anointing to go to another level. Your testimony just went to another level. You're walking with greater authority than ever before. Your faith is going to take you places that you could never go without going through the things that you've been through. More people are going to be affected by you than ever before. More people are going to be healed than ever before. The anointing doesn't prevent you from the bite of the viper but it gives you the power over his poison. The devil meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Balak says, Balaam, I've paid you a house full of gold and a house full of silver. Surely, you being the top-notch sorcerer that you are, you can curse Israel. But the sorcerer himself had to open his mouth and say, Balak, listen. Every time I open my mouth and I try to speak a curse, the Lord gets a hold of my tongue and it comes out a blessing. I wish I could have delivered this the way I feel it in my spirit tonight, but some of you, need to leave here rejoicing in the Lord because you have been going through it and you feel like that the enemy's coming against you and he has been. But I'm telling you there is an irrevocable blessing over your life. There is an irrevocable anointing over your life. The little things that have been that have been attacking you, they're just the fiery darts. God gives us the shield of faith to wart them off. God has anointed you with an anointing to take you to places you've never been before, to be more effective than you've ever been. Come on, declare it right now. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. God's for me, not against me. I know the plans I have for thee, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to give you an expected end. Oh, if I've talked to you tonight, walk to the front of this room. Throw your hands in the air and declare, I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I have an irrevocable anointing and blessing over my life. I'm going to allow God to deliver me from what I'm going through in his own season and in his own time because he's with me. He's not against me. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil
Come on, let's rejoice tonight. If you're still standing, if you're still standing, you should give God some praise right now. a word from God tonight. This altar call's not done quite yet. We're going to do one more prayer, but before we do, I want to share this with you. You can locate in California the great redwood tree. Have y'all ever heard of that before? Hundreds of feet tall, larger than the average vehicle, ginormous. An interesting thing about redwoods is that the roots of the tree only go down three foot deep. The largest trees in the world go three foot deep. But the incredible thing is that the roots go out three miles long and they link up with the other redwoods and the roots hook up together so when the winds from the ocean blow on them and it wants to attack one tree it doesn't just attack one tree but it attacks the whole forest what am i saying 
One of the hedges that the Lord has put about you is your neighbor, is the church, is your brother. When we go through things, when it seems like the enemy wants to blow us down, it is not, he is not just coming at you, but because you are in Christ Jesus, you are connected. So what does that mean? It's not just me he has to get through. It's my brother he has to get through. I want you to join hands with your neighbor right now. Link hands, link arms together. And here's what we're going to do tonight. We are going to pray for each other. And we are going to pray the blessings of God. And we're going to pray the hedge of God around our It's easy for us to do warfare for ourselves. But this evening, we need to use our hedge and warfare for each other. I want you to right now pray a blessing over your brother, a blessing over your sister. The devil's been coming after them, and you need to pray a blessing from God. A hedge from God around them. The devil can't just attack one of you. He has to come through the whole body. Yeah. Sin, you take what the enemy made. Come on, pray for your brother and your sister tonight. He's not just attacking you. He has to come through your brother. I'm not letting the wind of the devil blow you down. I'm going to hold you up. I'm going to pick you up. somebody right now. The devil's coming after somebody's kid right now. You need to pray a hedge of protection. You need to pray a blessing. brother's faith. You need to pray a hedge over his faith. He's coming after his finances. You need to pray a blessing over his finances. You can't blow my brother down. You can't blow my sister down.
Your voice, I'm gonna sing a victory. 